This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Great to have you with us. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel here in Columbia. Matt Smith is going to join us momentarily. He's made it back from Chapel Hill. He is back in South Carolina. Chris Bergen is down in Louisiana. And we'll hear from him coming up in a little bit. Coastal Carolina got a game tonight down in Louisiana. So we got uh, a full house for you tonight as we look back at Wow, what a night last night. Clemson goes to Chapel Hill and does it again. How about that? Second time ever, Tigers win in Chapel Hill, and they were strong last night, as you know, jumped out to the big lead and then fought off the uh, rally by the Tar Heels to score a huge, huge win for them. And then last night in Columbia, Gamecocks did the same with Ole Miss, jumped out to a a big lead. I think it was a 17-point lead at one point. They had to hold on at the end, but they came away uh, with the victory, so they continue to roll. They've clinched a 20-win season, 18th in program history, uh, and they're not done yet because, you know, they got Vanderbilt coming to town Saturday. That's the most winnable game, and then they, they go on the road from there to take on Auburn next Wednesday night. That will be an extremely tough one. But for now, the Gamecocks are rolling, and Clemson is back on the right track. We're going to hear from both coaches <clears throat> here coming up in just a, a little bit. So stay tuned for that. We've got a busy, busy night because on top of the basketball, it is a National Signing Day today. It's very odd for us here at Sports Talk. For 40-some-odd years, we've covered National Signing Day in February, and it's been a big, big day. It's been a very active day, but... To my recollection, this is like the first February where you didn't have to get out of bed early. You didn't have to chase players to the to the dotted line. Uh, coaches weren't sweating out uh, announcements. Uh, there was no reason to turn on any of the ESPN channels. There was really not much of a reason to check the recruiting networks because there wasn't a whole lot going on. A couple of players here or there. As far as the uh, two big schools in state, nada. Uh, so they got their work done. Uh, back in December, for the most part. And then South Carolina, of course, added to their class with a bunch of uh, transfers out of the uh, transfer portal, John. But other schools in the state signing players today will go over those signees in our second half hour. Uh, 7.05, Coach John Combs joins us. More basketball, hooping and hollering here on Sports Talk. And uh, high school's regular season winding down. Region championships and playoff spots are being claimed. And we'll talk with him about all of that and look ahead to the playoffs. And then 735, Major Billy Downer made it back from Las Vegas. Good move. He got out of town before the Super Bowl horde moved in. He was out there for uh, a very interesting event that he'll share with us 
coming up at 735 SC Wild here on Sports Talk from the Department of Natural Resources. So stay tuned for that. 735. We'll throw in some recruiting as well. So we are jammed up. Let's welcome in Matt Smith. He'll be with us here for a couple of minutes. I thought it'd be great to have Smitty on with us to recap what he witnessed last night. He becomes the second member of the Sports Talk team to cover a Clemson win in Chapel Hill. The first was Justin Mathis, who worked for us that night in 2020 and went to Chapel Hill because we were down in Louisiana covering the football team. He went to Chapel Hill, and he got the luxury of being number one. You're Avis. You're number two, Smitty. Well, I'll take it. You know, uh, it was historic, although I I, want to be clear about this. No one on, you know, around Clemson talked about the history, really. I mean, Tim Bray tweeted about it, obviously, because that's what he does. But Brad Brownell said, no, we're just, you know, at this point, I don't have to answer that question anymore. And he said he used to get asked about winning in Chapel Hill in the summer. And he said, you know, I, I mean, I just have, I'm not talking about reporters, there's people. Just Clemson fans are just asking, when are you going to beat North Carolina at Chapel Hill? And, and they would ask me before the season began. But now he doesn't have to worry about that. It's just about basketball. Clemson has won two out of the last three up there. They are human when it comes to the Tigers. And, Corn, one thing I took away from that game last night, and it was in my game story, you can see at sportstalksc.com, it, it wasn't as if – Clemson bobbed and weaved and kind of won a judge's decision. They won the game outright. It was 80-76, to 76, but there was a last-second bucket there uh, at the buzzer, which was completely meaningless. Clemson was in control. North Carolina fans were filing out with two minutes left on the clock. How many times does the Dean Dome start to clear out before there's triple zeros? So Clemson just flat-out won the game and Armando Bacot is, is an outstanding player, all ACC, all the accolades that he receives, they're, they're well-deserved. However, P.J. Hall was every bit as good, if not better, last night. And R.J. Davis was great in spurts, but he certainly was no more effective or efficient than Clemson's backcourt duo with Chase Hunter and especially Joseph Girard, who scored 21 points and hit five three-pointers. So Clemson just flat out won the game. If you wouldn't have known... The jersey colors. If you'd have just watched two squads play, you'd have thought, well, Clemson right there is every bit as talented, every bit as good as North Carolina. Now, North Carolina fans will say they had an off night. Mm-hmm. But you know what I will say as I was watching? Everything Brad Brownell dialed up defensively worked. Clemson was hassling North Carolina. They couldn't get into their offense. They were squeezing the passing lanes. And I just thought, I came away thinking, and I I didn't want to say it too loudly because I was in enemy territory, but I thought Clemson flat out won the game, deserved to win, no funky fouls, no officials help, no fluky shots. Clemson just flat out went toe-to-toe with North Carolina and beat them on their home track. Deserved every moment of it. And you mentioned Baycott. He'll go down in history as things stand now. He'll go down in history as the one Tar Heel to lose twice at home to Clemson. He played in that game back in 2020. I guess he was a freshman. He had 21 points in that game back in 2020. He was big last night. He had a double-double, 24 points and, what, 13 rebounds. He was really big. But P.J. Hall was big. Uh, Shefflin was big. 
and they got the outside shooting from Gerard, the consistent outside shooting. Tell you what, when they got Hall and Gerard clicking together, uh, Clemson can win any game because then you got inside outside presence, and Shefflin's going to get your rebounds. They got n- nice contributions from Wiggins and and Hunter and and Clark played a role for him. It was a complete team victory for the Tigers. We're going to hear from Coach Brad Brownell here in just a moment and uh, his his post-game thoughts. And uh, I'm sure it was a stunned North Carolina crowd because they were coming off the huge win over Duke, so they were riding high. People might say, well, North Carolina typically has a letdown. No, they don't after they play Duke. Uh, historically, they've come back and played well that next game. That was talked about in the broadcast last night. Historically, they've come back the next day. The next game hasn't always been a major letdown. So you were catching North Carolina at a at a high time for them, and you were coming off kind of a low, Clemson was, with that loss at home to Virginia. So they had to ratchet it up, and they did just that, Smitty. They did, and you mentioned, you know, when you have Gerard going from the outside. Look, I, I, I know you could say this about any team. You know, this is not Hubie Brown level analysis I'm going to give you, but I think it's especially vital for Clemson. They have to make threes, and and truthfully, a lot of pressure falls to Gerard. He's one of the all-time best shooters in terms of volume and makes in ACC history between his career at Syracuse and Clemson. And I don't want to lay it all at his feet, but he has to he has to stretch the defense and open up. Uh, opportunities for for Wiggins or Clark or Hunter to slash and P.J. Hall to post up and for Ian Shefflin to rebound off the weak side. That That's Gerard's role. He has to do it. When he's not doing it, Clemson is vulnerable, as we've seen. They can lose to middling to lower-tier ACC teams when they're not hitting shots from the outside. But I will just say, as you said, if you've got it going on inside-outside, Clemson can beat any, anybody – that's because the three-point shot usually is a great equalizer. We all know that. You know that's why an Ivy League team can can upset a Big Ten team in the NCAA tournament or, or get it close. But I think it's especially true of Clemson because they have a front court now. Shefflin was playing with great confidence. As a matter of fact, I want to say this quickly: Shefflin didn't just get garbage points last night. That's what I said in the broadcast leading into the game. They were running plays for him. Uh, Hall was on the bench for about seven and a half minutes of game time in the second half, and Shefflin was just straight up hosting up, calling for the ball, and then going down low and scoring or drawing fouls or drawing attention to himself and, and, and clearing open looks for his teammates. So Shefflin has really developed here into a into a force, especially when he has a matchup that he and Brownell feel confident in. But Shefflin and Hall playing together in the front court, they're good friends off the court, and they have that sixth sense about each other. They move, you know, Hall now can move without the ball when Shefflin posts up. Shefflin can work for a position when Hall has it. Sometimes he'll turn and, and square up his man and just drive. I, I was very impressed. And look, it's what we thought Clemson was going to be, right? I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody thought Clemson was going to go pull that upset. They were six and a half, seven point underdogs last night. But I think at the beginning of the year, when you looked at it on paper, if you and me and Chris Bergen and, and any guests that we brought on would have analyzed Clemson, we'd have thought, wow, Hall, P.J. Hall, senior year, uh, veteran backcourt now, Gerard, a shooter, the athletes they have on the outside. I think all of us would have thought this Clemson team should win 20 games and go to the NCAA tournament. And now with this victory under their belt, the win over Alabama and the win over South Carolina, I think that's finally. I think they finally look like the team that you and me and others thought they would be. 
And now the key for them is to go on the road to Syracuse Saturday and build on what they did. Here is some of what Brad Brownell said last night uh, to the media just moments after that win in Chapel Hill. It's becoming old hat for the Tigers winning at the Dean Dome. Here is Brad Brownell. Well, certainly a great win for our guys. Um, really happy for my players. We've uh, we've had some close losses here uh, recently, and I've said many times I think we're playing better than our ACC record, but I think our league is good, and I don't think uh, it's getting the credit it deserves in some ways. And you know, we haven't finished some games, and today we were able to do that. Um, obviously, the great start, probably as good a half as we've played all year, was the first half. Um, and then we we just held on. Um, the crowd was great. Uh, they got some life and, and came back at us, certainly. But our guys finished, which was uh, uh, really nice to see. So really happy for my players. We've been working really hard, and, and they've stayed connected and stayed positive through some of the adversity. And um, we got a lot of great kids in there. So I'm hopeful that, you know, you keep working, good things happen to good people. So today was that day. Questions for me? Brad, what was your? What did you think about the guys' composure? And you were just talking about they hung on, but yeah. kind of when you were in huddles in these moments. Good. No, we we've been good most of the year. Um, you know that sometimes we've made some poor plays. Sometimes we've had some tough breaks. Um, you know, we've had a shot or two go in against us in the mm-hmm. waning seconds, and we've um, had a couple chances to win one. Obviously, against Virginia, we had the ball in the back of the rim. You know, you're two inches shorter and we win. And so the outlook is completely different. And that's one of the things I told our players is try to encourage them that we're playing better than our our record. If we can just build some momentum that we've, we've proven that, you know, we won at Alabama who's winning the SEC. We just knocked off Carolina. We've played Duke to the last second on other people's court. So I think, you know, that takes composure. It takes good basketball play and, and, uh, you know, we certainly aren't playing perfect and didn't tonight, but we played very well for most of this game. Coach, it felt like in the first half you guys had a really good control on the game, and then Carolina came out with a very up-tempo style yeah. in the second half. felt like they got into a rhythm that they wanted to be in. What did you think of your defense that impressed you to help keep the game under control? Well, we mixed in some zone, and I thought it helped us at times, and at other times it wasn't as effective as we would have liked. Um, you know, but uh, – I just I thought we competed, and I thought our offense helped our defense. Uh, we only had five turnovers. You turn the ball over um, and take a lot of bad shots, and Carolina's going to get out and run on, against you. Um, I thought we had a good mix to our offense. Certainly, we had a lot of threes early. Um, but I thought we were cutting and moving, and the ball was moving extremely well. I thought we got tired at times. Um, and then North Carolina, you know, came after us, which they're going to do. And, I mean, this environment is is hard to play in. Uh, the crowd was into it, really, because we jumped on them. The crowd's like, wait a minute, we better help tonight. And uh, they did. And uh, so we had to withstand all of that. And, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to, to get the win. North Carolina's playing unbelievably well. Hubert's done a great job. Um so this was a terrific win for us. How important was your work on the offensive class? Because especially yeah. against that team, the way yeah. they rebounded. Yeah, no, it was important. And that's, you know, that's what Ian Shefflin does. PJ does a good job of it. Um, yeah, we, you know, one thing we do is we have, we always have somebody under the basket uh, almost all the time, not all the time, but a majority of the time. And other times we have guys coming to the basket. So, you know, it's a little more of an emphasis with our team, even more this year than last. Um 
And obviously it helped us for extra possessions, free throws, getting fouled. Um, you know, I was proud of the way our guys played at the end. I thought we we were pretty aggressive. We got downhill on some plays, got some fouls, got some offensive rebounds, but didn't just settle. Coach, how proud were you of PJ and how crucial was it for him not to pick up that fourth foul in those last 12 minutes? That yeah, it, it big. I mean, I was really upset with him uh, on his third foul because um, I thought it was, a, you know, one of those one-on-one blockouts that he didn't win. Uh, and obviously Armando's – he's a load. I mean, he's a tremendous player. Um, but he's got to try to win that for us to win these games. And uh, so, obviously, we talked about it when he was sitting down and coming over and, you know – TJ is an unbelievable kid. I mean, he's a terrific player, but he's a better person and kid, and he wants to win so bad. And I think that's part of why he's not shooting the ball well, is he's putting so much pressure on himself to help carry this team that, um, you know, I've tried to just tell him to relax and enjoy this. And uh, today he played much freer. Once he saw the first one go in, he, he was he was outstanding. All right, Brad Brownell following the win last night. In Chapel Hill, so the Tigers pick up a huge win for them on the road. They moved up a little bit in the net ranking as well with that win last night. Meantime, in Columbia, South Carolina and Ole Miss. And again, the Gamecocks, much like Clemson, they built a huge lead in front of a sold-out house. What an arena the Gamecocks had last night. They had to hang on as Ole Miss came back from 17 down and had a chance to win in the end. But their three-pointer went awry. Gamecocks had some big defensive plays. Of course, plenty of uh, outstanding offense. Uh, Shot the ball extremely well in the first half. And really, uh, throughout the game, they shot the ball really, really well. Uh, Had to win kind of an offensive shootout because Ole Miss was shooting the ball uh, well also. Gamecocks win at 68-65, their 20th win of the season. Here is a little bit of what Lamont Paris had to say after that win last night. It was a good win. All the all of them are. Um, so it's a hard-fought win. We we did some really, really, really good things. We had stretches. I, I, I'd say moments, but it kind of sounds too abbreviated to say moments. We had some stretches of doing some really good stuff, executed offensively, uh, generated some high-quality situations. I mean, some really, really good stuff. Um, and then we had small pockets of doing some stuff that I thought was just uncharacteristic. And they made some plays. They made some jump shots. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from them. They, they, you don't accidentally trip and fall your way into 18 wins and four losses in, in this league and with what they've done. So they have a good team. But, uh, but I did think we, we, once we got up 17, I thought their run was kind of spurred on by a couple of things that were just uncharacteristic decisions that we made defensively. Um, and then once it started going, they were, they were making plays. They were making shots. But um, it was good. We grinded at the end the way that we needed to and made some plays, a couple of huge plays by Colin Murray Boyles defensively, individual plays, and uh, just did what we needed to to secure a win. And, um, again, those are, those are hard to come by, so we're very happy with that. Lamont, you mentioned some of those uncharacteristic defensive things. What were yeah. some of those after you guys went up seven? Like one, I mean, it was unbelievable the route that we took in guarding their be- their best shooter. It just was, uh, it was it wasn't the route that we would normally take. Um, and so we, I think there was another one where where we 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 got screened and stayed screened. I mean, 
permanently screened, it seemed like. And you're allowed to get screened. Teams are going to screen you, but we always – you're not allowed to stay screened. And we stayed permanently screened on that one, and it yielded another basket for them. Uh, a couple things just right in transition where nothing – we didn't have the matchups in transition. A couple offensive things even combined in that. A couple shots that I just didn't recognize. I'm not even mad at them. I just never – I've never seen that uh, shot. By guys, and I, I told him afterwards in the locker room. I said, "I don't know. I don't even know how to act. Should I be mad? Should I start break dancing? I don't know what to do." You know, I never seen that shot. Um, but so it just was what it was. We had a couple moments like that, and they took full advantage of us doing that. And luckily, we had built up enough cushion. But I don't want to detract from the fact that we during during stretches in that game we played some really really good basketball. I don't know if you can take a step back for a moment in a game, but when Colin goes up and blocks Sharp in, in that moment with 90 seconds left, what yeah. what goes through your mind when he makes such a, a wow play like that? What a big-time play. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big, big, big-time play. I think, one, just the, just the anticipation of the fact that that's about to happen uh, and the willingness to go over there and the, the belief to, to think that you can go up there and do that and then uh, the physical prowess to execute it and then come down with the ball, all that stuff. So, you know, the game's going on. You're in a million places at that point with your mind and what's next and what's happening and evaluating all that. But uh, that's a, that's, that is a big-time play, a big-time play. Had another block late in the game, too, but the one specifically is going to go down in the archives. He's just such a talented young man. I mean, he's incredibly talented. Um, physically and in some other ways, but uh, that was he showcased it. That's just an individual play, right? That's not in our scheme. I didn't tell him to go do that or anything that we practice that made him go do that. That's just an individual play. Speaking of specific plays, the last play of the game, were you signaling for a foul there? And I guess if they didn't, obviously they didn't get that off. What did you kind of see from your defense there on that last kind of frantic trip down? Yeah, we were we were gonna we were gonna be in a mode where we were gonna switch everything aggressively to in a fashion where you don't give a three. Um, and so if you foul while that's happening, so be it, right? Um, but we we hadn't called specifically to foul, but we wanted to be very aggressive in what we were doing and play in a way where the only three that you were going to take was a three like that three, right? I mean, you can't stop someone from shooting a three, but that was a, that wasn't, you know, it was a difficult shot. Coach, like you were saying, you had some uncharacteristic moments down the stretch. What is the message to your team when you're constantly bringing them in the media timeout saying, just survive the punches. Yeah, that's probably um, that's that's probably what I was saying. Just survive the punches for the most part. You know, round it up, like tighten it up defensively. Now, come on, and we were able to a little bit. Right, they were at one point on track with seven something left in the game to score a lot of points, and we tightened it up a little bit defensively. So um, I, I did. I just we were just at that point. The body of work is what it is. You got to find a way to get through the next thing, right? And just rallying guys around and getting guys' attention. There's so many things going on, um, and getting them ready to f- and not overreacting. I was I didn't want to overreact because we had to do something else next, um, and 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 the outcome of the game potentially could have been riding on the fact that they needed to be listening rather than thinking still about what happened, you know, 45 seconds ago. All right, Lamont Paris, all of uh, Paris. All of Brownell on our website, sportstalksc.com. Smitty, your final thoughts about your trip up to Chapel Hill this time around? 
Well, it, it was great. As I said, it was historic. And I think Clemson fans, you know, I, I don't know how this season will go, but that's one you'll remember for a long time. And that's part of what sports is about. It's not just about where you finish, but it's about the journey. And that's a signature victory for Clemson that uh, they'll remember it when they talk about P.J. Hall's senior season for a long, long time. Yeah, and the uh, question is, can the Tigers build on that, uh, get that win Saturday, continue to win, and get themselves back in position for the uh, NCAA tournament, depending what they do in the ACC tournament? As I mentioned, the Tigers, with their win, they actually stayed at number 37. Uh, no, 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 hang on a second. Um, they moved up. They moved up. Now I've got the wrong – I've got my wrong tweet, but they did move up. I think your tweet said 31, did it not? I yep. think your tweet said they moved from 37 to 31. Yeah, I'm looking at an old tweet that shouldn't be there. And South Carolina, with their win, they went from 39 to 41. So, again, don't try to figure out the net rankings. Clemson moved up a little bit, and South Carolina dropped uh, despite a impressive win over Ole Miss. Thank you, Smitty. Uh, Bergie will join us from Louisiana when we come back. All right, lots of college basketball tonight around the SEC, the ACC, South Carolina as well, Charleston Southern at Winthrop. They're just getting underway. LSU at Tennessee, Alabama at Auburn. Louisville at Syracuse, Pittsburgh at NC State, Upstate at Longwood, Gardner-Webb at Presbyterian, Wofford at East Tennessee State, Furman at Mercer, the Citadel at Western Carolina, Notre Dame is at Duke, Texas A&M is Missouri, George is at Mississippi State, and we have Coastal Carolina down in Monroe, Louisiana. That's where Chris Bergen is. Good evening, Bergie. Hello, guys. How's everybody back home? We're doing great. Doing great. You ready for some exciting Chanticleer basketball tonight? I hope so. This appears, at least on paper, to be a fairly evenly matched uh, contest between these two, both at 3-8 and eight in Sunbelt play, tied for 10th. And that's the spot you want. If you're not going to be contending in the upper half of the Sunbelt, you want to make sure you're no worse than 10th going into the conference tournament because 11, 12, 13, and 14 – Sunbelt invites everybody to the uh, postseason, would have to play the opening day. So that would mean you would play, what, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then perhaps on, I think it's Monday is when the championship game is. So you don't want to, you don't want to deal with that. If you have any hopes of possibly winning the conference tournament, you want to eliminate as many opening round games as possible. So this is actually a pretty important game in terms of seeding on down the road here in about a month when they head to Pensacola. Thoughts on uh, last night? I mean, you're – your way down there in the bayou, uh, which is interesting because um, the last time Clemson won at North Carolina, we were down. Well, you're not necessarily in the bayou. Where is Monroe? Is Monroe in the bayou? That's eh, close enough, it's and it sounds, it sounds sexy enough to say you're in the bayou. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and use that to complete my thought. Uh, the last time, the previous time Clemson won in North Carolina, one of us was in the bayou, so uh, it, it fits. But great night in our state for the Gamecocks and the Tigers. Your thoughts on what those two did last night? 
No, it was an outstanding night for basketball. Those of us who love the game, those are the nights you live for. And saw an interesting stat today, aside from the one you tweeted out about Armando Baycott becoming the first ever North Carolina player to lose twice at home to Clemson. I thought yeah. that was actually pretty funny. Yeah. But also the uh, Tar Heels are now, I think it's 37-8 and eight after last night since 1980, coming off a win against Duke. Yeah. I think there's probably, there's probably some legitimacy to them not being – in as good a mindset coming off the Duke game. And I think Hubert Davis talked a little bit about that last night, said they did not have very good practices. He was not happy with their energy. And Clemson got a little help, surprisingly, from the ACC scheduling. That said, and I don't want any of that to take away from what Clemson did, they were outstanding last night. I thought they were terrific on both ends of the floor, especially off the glass. They got that early lead, Phils, we were talking during the show, and the question was, could they maintain? Well, North Carolina made the run at them. You thought they would. And they got it back tied late in the second half. And you thought, all right, here we go. But Clemson found a way to win that ball game on the road at Chapel Hill. And, you know, in terms of their long-term prognosis going into the NCAA tournament field, road wins for them at North Carolina and at Alabama is as good as anybody's going to have on their resume. And I think the Tigers, that one last night was such a huge game. Now they can afford probably maybe to slip up somewhere. Just don't have a really, really bad loss. But I think that takes them off the ledge of having to maybe run the table in the ACC because I thought last night's game was so important for them. And to be able to go in there and just handle the Tar Heels and take it to them early, get that big lead, and then hold on and win, I thought was terrific for Brad Brown and Clemson. Really, really impressed with them last night. And and I found my tweet, the correct one, on the net ranking. So Clemson moves with their win. And, of course, you win at number three. You're going to get a boost, 37-31. to And the Gamecocks, this is where it's wrong. I, I don't understand. They beat a team with 18 wins, a team that's having a great season, and you beat them on your home court, but you drop from 39 to 41. Plus, one of your three losses was to a team that just won on the road over number three. That sh- I mean, trying to figure out the metrics on how you're helped by what your opponents have done, considering Clemson got a big win last night, it, it really kind of boggles the mind how South Carolina would drop two spots in that formula with a win last night. It is really frustrating for basketball fans. And I can see why Gamecock fans are upset because the net rankings basically tell you there's not much value in beating a team because you should never drop. I don't care what metric you use. You should never drop when you win a game. And you're right. They got a win, and then a team that they lost to, one of their three losses on the road, went on the road and beat unquestionably the best team in their league. And that team goes up, the South Carolina goes down. I don't quite understand the metric whatsoever with regards to the net rankings. And the problem is the NCAA selection committee has moved away from the RPI, and they're putting so much emphasis now on the net rankings. And I think that's a bad formula as well. You ought to be able to eyeball test teams and see that South Carolina and Mississippi fairly evenly matched teams. But the Gamecocks getting a home win in conference play should not penalize them. I don't care who they beat. Yeah. And then also add a bit more Joe Lunardi has not come out with a new complete bracketology today, but he has updated the rankings and kind of the conference breakdown. And this is also puzzling. So mm-hmm. Clemson is currently eighth in the ACC, but they are the third highest projected seed out of the ACC in the NCAA tournament as a seven seed, the number 26 overall. And they are ahead of UVA, who, of course, just beat the Tigers in that close loss for the Tigers in Clemson. But UVA is a nine seed in the number 33 overall seed. Meanwhile, in the SEC, the Gamecocks are currently second in the conference, 
are the only 20-win team in the SEC, but they're the fifth-highest projected seed in the NCAA tournament as a sixth seed, which is the same as they were in the last bracketology. Clemson moved up from an 8 to a 7. South Carolina stayed right at a 6. And then to add to also just the puzzlement, but also just to give a pat on the back to Lamont Paris and the Gamecocks, he now has wins over, I would argue, the three most heralded coaches, or at least three of the four most heralded coaches in the conference, the fourth being Nate Oates, John Calipari at Kentucky, Chris Beard at Ole Miss, Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Those are three powerhouse coaches that Lamont Paris, in only his second year with the Gamecocks, has beaten. Yeah, those are three great scalps to hang, hang on your belt. Absolutely. In, in one season. All right, uh, we got some phone callers. Uh, let's go ahead and hit a couple of calls. Uh, we, we're going to hit these, uh, these signing classes from schools reporting uh, signees today, um, and we'll get to that in a little bit as well. 888-898-2525. Gamecock Larry over in Swansea. You're up first tonight. Hello, Game. Hope you didn't fall asleep on us this time. Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you? Not again. Uh-oh. No. I'll check with them off air. <laughs> 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 Let's go to Andy in Columbia. Andy's a, a little bit younger than Gamecock Larry, and he's he's better at handling being on hold than Gamecock Larry apparently is. Andy, welcome in. How are you? I'm here. <laughs> I can say that. Okay, first off, very happy birthday to the captain. Okay, is today his birthday? Kerry Rich. Today is Cap is the captain's birthday. I've already I've talked to him personally. I just wanted to send it out over the airs too. Very happy birthday to my man, the captain. What's he about sixty now? I don't have any idea how old he is. He's younger than both you and I, Corn. So let's not try to play games there. Mm. He he graduated way after you did, way after me, and you graduated way before I did. So don't be talking ages. Okay. I'm just going by the way Number he looks. Two. I'm not just I'm not going by chronology. I'm going by the way he looks. Yeah, C- go ahead. CMB with that block on that seven foot five guy last night had to be one of the best defensive plays that I've seen done by a South Carolina ball player, and I can't remember how long. That was just amazing. Yeah. And Were you came there live a, for that corner? Did you I, make it I got conference? there with 28 seconds left in the game. I thought I figured that you were probably going to get there probably right at the end or mm-hmm. miss, just missed the end yeah. of the game. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to send the congratulations out to the Gamecocks, send out a happy birthday to the captain, and say, wake up, Larry. <laughs> it's, your, it's your turn to get on, and you gentlemen have a very good evening. All right, Thanks, thank Andy. you very much. And, um, and, Phil, I want to follow up to what Andy said. I didn't get a chance to talk about the Gamecocks last night, but Colin yeah. Murray Boyles is playing out of his mind, and he's right. To go up and stop a guy who's seven feet five inches tall at the rim, mm. and and not just the blowout situation, which it was for the majority of that ball game. That was a critical play defensively for the Gamecocks. His Ole Miss was making a terrific run at them. That kid is going to be a superstar if he continues to develop. And where could he be now if he had not been sick earlier in the season? I mean, he's still getting back into. A, I, I I would think probably now he's where he wants to be. But as a freshman to contribute as much as he has and to be as dominant 
as he has been, especially last night, 16-9 with a terrific block shot. Actually had two in the ballgame. I was awfully, awfully impressed with him. But that play may have been the play of the game. And perhaps, depending on what happens the remainder of the season, that's a turning point in the season because if Ole Miss scores, they're what they're down one at that point in time. Yep. Uh, maybe they come all the way back and win that ballgame. Yep. Now I'll tell you something else. You know, you never have, know how things are going to work out, but the injury to Studi might have been a blessing in disguise because mm-hmm. it allowed them to put Zachary Davis in the lineup. And Zachary Davis does a, a lot of good things. He gives them additional size. But it also now you've got Studi coming off the bench with Jacoby Wright. And and that, those are two good outside shooters. Uh, last night, Studi was four for five from three-point land. He had 12 points, I believe. And you got offense coming off the bench uh, with those two guys. And you, you also, of course, you bring in – um, the other big guy uh, in off the bench. Um, so y- their, their bench depth uh, improved, I think, with that particular move. And, and Davis is not a big drop-off for them in the starting lineup. He does a lot of good things for them as well. So you look at what they can bring in off the bench. Now that Studi is coming in, and, and I think Josh Gray has really improved his game a lot they coming agree. in off the agree. bench. So they really have about a two-platine unit they can go to, the starting five, and then they can bring at least four off the bench. Uh, Ugasuk, if you want to throw him in there as well, gives them another. So, yeah, they've, they've got four quality coming off the bench to back up the five on the court. So uh, you got to like that rotation they have developed. All right, we're going to run to the break, and we'll come back with more. Uh, take more of your phone calls, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. A reminder you're looking for some property to buy at the beach or maybe a place to rent for a spring or summer vacation, just make a phone call to James Smith Real Estate at 843-237-4246. Check them out online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Your perfect beach getaway is just a phone call or a click away. 843-237-4246. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. 
Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible What's a deductible you say That's the price you have to pay Before the insurance will say We'll help you They keep that number out of reach Because they know that you won't reach That number because they know You're healthy 605-7905 Zero dollar deductible 605-7905 727 is the area code. All right, back we are on Sports Talk. couple of quick notes. Tiger Woods will make his 2024 debut at the Genesis Invitational. Next week, CAA Baseball Coaches Preseason Ranking, College of Charleston's number four, behind Northeastern, Wilmington, and Campbell. Sunbelt Baseball Coaches Poll, Coastal Carolina, is your preseason favorite ahead of Southern Miss Troy, Louisiana. Furman put out a release today that football player Bryce Stanfield suffered a medical emergency while attending an early morning workout at Paladin Stadium and is in the hospital. This was announced by head coach uh, Clay Hendricks, so certainly wishing uh, the best there. No more to report. USC announced spring game will be April 20th, and it'll have a 7 o'clock kickoff for the spring game on April 20th. Nick Saban is joining ESPN as an analyst, mostly on college game day. All right, uh, Gamecock Larry, somebody roused him. Gamecock Larry, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Wait a minute, somebody. You, I wasn't, you ain't put me in. I wasn't asleep. I've been listening to you all the time. Oh. Boy, I tell you what, I can hear that. I can hear old Clemson. I can't believe it. How in the world they went to North? Hello? The game. Yes, sir. You hear me? We got you. No, Larry, Larry, you gotta you gotta yeah. give credit where credit is due. They went up there and beat a blue blood, you know, just like the Gamecocks went to Kentucky last year and beat a blue blue blood and beat them in Columbia this year. You gotta give Clemson a little credit. They went up there and took it from them. That. Just I, took it from them. The referee had to had to give them a few points, but I tell you, I can't believe Clemson beat North Carolina. But I can't well. Man, I tell you, had had me kind of worried in that old Miss game, but boy, that boy went up there eight inches on him and dunked and blocked that dunk. Mm. 
And boy, I had that good sleep last night, but kept thinking, kept waking up. Dozing off and waking up. Clemson beat North Carolina. Oh, you ought to be happy, Larry Clemson. Oh, man, I could, I, I can't be happy anytime Clemson win anything. Mm. Boy, mm. I tell you. Mm. And I was, I was, I was a few days off the other day when that gentleman called it. And I don't know what he's saying, but you're right. It's 298, 97 days today. 297 days to get Clemson time. But that's all I got to say, but I just wanted to tell you, mm. I can't sleep because I can't believe. Well, are you are you are you are you more disturbed that Clemson won than you are happy that the Gamecocks won? I mean, you got to have a little balance here. Oh, well, uh, I know. I mean, the Gamecocks. Uh, I don't know how we lost that game to Clemson, but we did. But I don't know. I just can't sleep thinking about Clemson beating North Carolina. <laughs> okay, Larry. Well, it's a shame. It's a shame. I got it now. I'm gonna have to put up with those three or four people call me today. Or you hear back? We won. We won. Mm. Yeah, but the referee gave you seven points. That's all. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, I love to listen to one hundred point seven. Yes, sir. I love to listen. I love to listen to them gentlemen talk about. No, <laughs> oh, I. I love you, Phil. <laughs> All right. Larry, we're going to let you go so you can get some sleep. Sounds like you're tired. Thank you very much. Gamecock let's Larry, got to get his thoughts make, together. Let's make a little rule here on Sports Talk. Anytime Clemson wins a game the night before, Larry cannot come on Sports Talk the next day. He can't handle when uh, he uses us to take a nap. Yeah, well, uh, I he's think gotta have a, he's got to have a day off in between. I think he's more upset that Clemson won than he is happy that the Gamecocks won. That's what I'm Sounds trying to. Like I'm trying to get his head right. You know, I'm trying to get his head right <laughs> on that. And guys, uh, real quick before we move on from the Gamecocks, yes. just pointing out here, looking back, so Michi Johnson. Where'd this go? Michi Johnson scored in double figures. He's still the leading scorer for the Gamecocks, but he scored in double figures in 16 of the first 17 games of the season for the Gamecocks. But now during their current six-game winning streak, Michi's only had double figures twice. He did a fantastic job early in the season kind of carrying the team, and I can't help but wonder and would love y'all's thoughts if now it seems like he kind of had to carry the weight until other players either got their feet beneath them or their confidence up, or maybe it was a better understanding of Lamont Paris's game plan, offensively, defensively, whatever. But it seems like now the team is doing a better job of spreading the load. It's almost like a different player is the leading scorer each night based upon matchups. And again, Coach Paris is doing a fantastic job finding the weaknesses in the other team's, in the other team's defense. But I can't help but notice Michi Johnson is now taking more of a, of a facilitator approach and a defensive-minded game plan as opposed to feeling like he had to, has to score as much as he did early in the season. Well, this is two straight games, three with him, but including uh, B.J. Mack. B.J. Mack did not have a big offensive game last night either. Yeah, he didn't right. have one at Georgia. Yet they found a way to win, Chris. And, I mean, this is a true team mm-hmm. in every aspect of the word. Again, they had – what was it, like 16 assists last night on their 28 baskets. We've talked about how much they've been averaging in terms of assists per game. They share the ball. 
They don't mind coming off the bench. I mean, they have developed great chemistry. It's one of the reasons they're sitting there 20-3. and three. If I had told anybody in the world that here on February 7th, South Carolina would have 20 wins, eight in the SEC, with a great chance to be looking at 21 and three and nine and two after Saturday. What would you have said to me back then? Well, first off, I'd fitted you for you know a straitjacket because hmm. no one would have believed this, and and I think we saw the ability Lamont Paris has early in the season. I think you can go back to the Virginia Tech win and see how they were able to maintain and find a way to scratch that game out. Probably didn't play their best, but that was a gutsy win for them. Didn't know what that meant moving forward. I think that sort of springboarded them and, and showed them, you know, we can play defense and still find ways to win the game. And you talk about Michi Johnson. Phil, he had half of those assists last night. Yeah. He had eight assists. To, to Pat's point about him being a facilitator along with Talon Cooper, ten assists and three turnovers between your starting backcourt, who are the only two guys on the floor that played over 30 minutes for USC last night to speak to their bench depth. And I will tell you this, to add to your point about the uh, 20 victories, I, I firmly believe when we get together tomorrow they're going to be tied for first because I think Auburn beats Alabama tonight. So you could add that in there too that uh, February the 8th, they would be in a first-place tie with Alabama and Auburn. And who would have thought that either in the SEC? Keep in mind, too, and people will be looking at this in case you don't understand how it works. In the SEC, and I think this is the case maybe in a number of leagues when it comes to basketball, they don't break ties if you end up in the regular season tied. Like people will say, well, how they do head-to-head? They don't do that. They give you championships. So they would be recognized as a champion for that year, as would the other team if they ended up tied. Now they will break the tie for the number one seed right? for the tournament, and that's where they go look head-to-head and look how you did against the next team in line, whatever. They will break a tie for the seed, but not for the championship. So uh, South Carolina, you're right. That Auburn game, if they don't stub their toe Saturday, and Vanderbilt is not a very good team, if they come out focused, play their game, they should win that game at home in front of a big crowd. Then you go down to Auburn, very good team, always well-coached, People say, I've been to one game there a few years ago, not long after the Auburn Arena was open, and it's a crazy wild place, crazy wild place. I think the night I was there, they beat the Gamecocks pretty good, and uh, it'll be another crazy wild scene uh, a week from tonight down there. So I'm looking forward to being there. I plan to be there for that game as things stand now, so looking forward to it. So, All right, we wish you well. Go enjoy your game. Bring back a W. We will certainly try for the Bayou, and we'll be flying back tomorrow, so I will chat with you guys on Friday. Look forward to it. Thank you. Coming up, more hooping and hollering. We've been doing a lot of hooping and hollering on the show. Got Coach John Combs coming up with a special guest, and then we'll get to some of these signing classes by teams around the state on this National Signing Day. Coming up. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back. Very busy edition of Sports Talk. On this Wednesday night, glad you're with us. Phil Kornblut here in Columbia. Matt Smith was with us earlier after being up in Chapel Hill last night. Chris Bergen was with us earlier 
He's in Louisiana for coastal basketball. We heard from Brad Brownell. We heard from Lamont Paris. Talked all about those games and others from uh, last night and games coming up tonight in just a moment. Turn our attention to high school basketball, which is hot as ever around the state of South Carolina as we get close to the end of regular season play and head to the postseason here in South Carolina. Then, after this hooping and hollering, whatever time we have left, we'll try to get to as many of these signees for teams uh, around the state. Like Presbyterian signed 33 players today. So we'll try to get to as many of these as we can. But another edition of Hooping and Hollering here on Sports Talk. We welcome in Spring Valley Athletic Director, former high school basketball coach himself, John Combs. Good evening, Coach. How are you? I am great. Thank you for having me. Excited. Great day for high school athletics, basketball here in South Carolina. Ready to talk some hoops. Absolutely. Uh, I'm seeing more and more senior nights around the state indicating that regular season is about to come to an end. It's crazy. Uh, So we just had our senior night at Spring Valley High School last night. It is crazy to think this is just a couple of days the regular season will be over with and we'll be starting the playoffs next week but it's an awesome time of the year first day of the playoffs will be what historically I, i see games on like monday night getting the thing off and running in a hurry is that what we're looking at yeah, Monday, some will tip off Tuesday. I think even 5A boys, I don't think they tip off un- until Wednesday. So, yeah, the, the first three days are kind of all of next week are kind of scattered about. You know, Valentine's Day could be very special and sweet for some and <laughs> awfully bad for others that don't get an opportunity. Well, that dream is out there. Everybody dreams of getting to the uh, state championship. Uh, this year, those games will be played at the Florence Civic Center. So that is the goal. That is the dream. And you've got a special guest a coach who's hoping to be there standing at the end. So, Coach, take it away. Well, I'd love to welcome in our guest for this uh, this week. I would also call he's a colleague for a long time, but also a friend, Coach Lane Fowler from Burns High School. Coach Coach Fowler, how are you doing today? I'm great, John. I hope you're doing well. And Phil, I hope you're doing great. And uh, yep, we're excited for playoffs and uh, you know last regular season games are this Friday, so. We're ready. Season's going fast, but we're excited to uh, get into the playoffs. Now, see, doesn't Lane sound just ultra relaxed? His team just recently wrapped up a region championship, so he's not—he's not sweating anything coming <laughs> here this last this last Friday night. Because I, I certainly—I've typically not been in that position before. So, tell us about your team and when. How, how is that to wrap up a region championship so early, Coach? Well, Coach, it's uh, it's exciting. You know, I, I've never really had that in my 25 years either. Um, so, you know, it's it's new for us as well. You know, it's just different now with the different regions with only eight games. Uh, used to, you know, we had bigger regions, and we're going back to that next year. But, um, you know, for us, we, we still want to, you know, treat it as uh, a game that, you know, with Gaffney, obviously six of one, we're playing them at their place Friday. Um, you know, had a tough battle with them a couple of weeks back. But knowing that you have it wrapped up, it, it's a nice feeling. But you also, you know, I'm, I'm kind of old school in the thought process of you still want to be playing good basketball as you're going into the playoffs. So we're, we're treating this like, you know, any other region game. And we want to go in there and play well and hopefully have some momentum going into our first round action next Wednesday. Well, Coach, I was really excited to see recently um, one of your players, uh, Will Fowler, who I know you know really well, recently <laughs> scored 
<laughs> scored a thousand points. So, hey, talk, talk about that. How was that for you as a coach and you as a father uh, to to see Will accomplish something that is extremely hard to do? Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, I, it was really exciting for lots of reasons. Um, you know, we're we're more team oriented here. We haven't had a lot of thousand point scores, and for Will to be able to accomplish that, um, it's pretty special. Not only for him, but for you know his teammates and our program, the community. Um, we've had a lot of good backing over the years for our basketball program, so they were really excited for him. But I think even more so, you know, last year, seven games in, had a kind of a freakish foot injury. Uh, he broke his fifth metatarsal. And it's a pretty extensive surgery, and then it actually happened again. So he was out for about ten and a half months. Um, so I think that makes it even more special. Um, but, you know, it, he leads us in assists. So Will's He's did it very efficiently. Uh, he shot and he shot the ball at 52% this year, 47 from three. Um, but he also averages almost four and a half assists a game. So he, you know, I don't want to sound too much like a dad, but he's, you know, he's worked hard at it. And I, I think for me, through the years of my coaching career, I, I love seeing all our kids do well. But there's something special about seeing kids that work really hard at their game and their craft to get better to see them succeed as well. Well, coach, you're certainly you're you're just being a, you're a coach when you say that because I've seen him, know of people. Will's a fine young man that works extremely hard, uh, and I know he gets that. Uh, although I got to ask this: who, who does he get the hard work from? Is it more you, or is it more mom? And and for what people don't know is, uh, mom is Coach Missy Fowler, who is the head girls coach there at Burns High School as well. Uh-huh. So you really got you really got a family affair going on. So who who does he take after more? Uh, you know, he's probably, I hope he got good trade traits from both of us, but you know, Missy was a heck of a player, um, in high school and then she had a really good career at college of Charleston. And, uh, you know, for me playing two years at PC and then transferring playing some at college of Charleston. So I think he gets it from both. So, you know, the grandparents are pretty competitive people as well, but he, he just grew up around ball, you know, and, People ask me all the time about, like, being a coach's kid and things like that. And I remember I used to really be excited when I would be around for us back in the day, Halbert Manus, whose dad, Harold, was our coach for 20 years at Burns. But uh, he's just been around a ton of basketball. I, I saw a picture of the day of our state championship team in 16, and, you know, Will's right there at 10 years old, and he was with us every moment. So I think that fostered the love. And, and then, you know, again, just – putting in the time and the effort and the energy and uh, it's really neat it, it has been special i hadn't had a chance to reflect on it a lot and, and i hope to do more of that maybe in three weeks if we can make a run at this thing well yeah you certainly want three weeks not uh one week so no. as we get ready to, no nobody wants that hmm. um so as you get ready for the playoffs what are some teams in your area that you're like I think are some of the best teams in the state, maybe some players uh, that you could talk about. Yeah. You know, everybody's talking about 4A basketball this year. 4A is loaded. Uh, For me, being upper state president for 5A basketball, obviously I keep up with it, you know, from not just being part of the board, but being a coach. Uh, You know, Dorman's been that team now, you know, for so many years up in our area and and probably the state as well. Um, You know, I think they ended up winning five out of seven. So, Pretty impressive from that, you know, after we won at 16. But they're having a really good year. Gaffney's had a resurgence. Um, 
Coach McLean at Malden has taken that team and won a uh, region championship this year. And I, uh, you know, I think they were picked maybe second or third. Um, you know, Coach Arrington at Till Hannah's got a really good team. You know, you know, uh, again, there's just so many teams. Blackwood's having a really good year. And, uh, you know, for the upstate in our area, um, I, I think those are some of the premier teams. Um, but, again, I know you know this. I don't want to talk to Coach, but I've seen teams go on runs that maybe were a three or four seed. And so that obviously can happen. I, I named a lot of the one and twos right there. But, you know, Lexington right now is the cream of the crop of the state. We know that due to, you know, just the season they're having, the players they have. Um, Somerville in the lower states having a phenomenal year. So there's a lot of good teams that I think on a given night can, can make that run. We feel really good about our team. You know, we're 21-4. and four. Um, We've won 17 of our last 18 games. And, 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 again, humbly I say that because we know we have a lot of area to improve. Um in so many areas. So if we can stay healthy, which has been key for us this year, um, I think we've definitely got a shot, but we got to go out there and earn it, that's for sure. I know you were, you know, me and you have talked many times about having a high school shot clock. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Does South Carolina need one? I mean, I'm, I know the answer, but I <laughs> want to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I 100% think it needs one, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I've obviously been pushing it now for almost eight years and um you know just uh, watching the game i absolutely love the game of basketball I've, I've always been a fan of it from playing it to now coaching it 25 years and keeping up with it not only locally but you know uh, regionally nationally um you know and just talking to you know, i just had so many good conversations also with college coaches when mike young was at walford and coach brownell and then when coach martin was at Carolina, and now coach paris and um, you know, even Coach Staley had one conversation with her. And, and just, you know, again, they kind of solidify or back the reasoning. And I know they're not high school coaches, but then we did a, you know, a survey this year of over 200 of our girls and boys head coaches throughout the state. It was almost 80%, 82% actually, that won it. Um, I just think, you know, the game is growing. Um, I think in 1985, 86, when the three-point line was – being introduced a lot of people weren't fans of that and you know here you look 39 40 you know 35 years later and it's revolutionized the game um i think we want to grow in that area um i I just think at the end of the day it makes for a much better game i think the kids want to play it more i know there's some drawbacks to who's going to run it to you know to actual financial cost and things of those nature but at the end of the day you know I, i just 100% 100% believe it's where we are going. Uh, we're now up to, after this year, 17 states are going to have it. You know, uh, I, I really feel like with the NFHS giving us that two-year window, um, we're trending in that direction. I just hope with the great basketball we have in our state and the great basketball coaches and minds, I, I hope that we can, you know, fall through with that and not maybe be that 45th or 48th state that gets it. <clears throat> coaches well that's that's great yep i was going to jump in and, and say that is great yes, stuff sir. and uh coach we want to wish you great luck going into the playoffs with the regular season ending on friday uh coach combs thank you as always i know you'll be out and about uh, busy watching uh, playoffs beginning next week and uh look forward to having you back with us next week as we get into uh the postseason side of things in high school basketball in south carolina thanks guys 
Absolutely. Thank you all very thank much. Thank you, guys. And thank you, John. Thank you, Phil. Listen a lot. And uh, appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you, Coach. And Coach Combs, thank you very much, sir. We'll talk to you next week. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hooping and hollering with Coach John Combs here on Sports Talk. Special guest, Coach Lane Fowler from Burns High School. And, uh, you know, Burns is more than football people. <laughs> you know, you think about Burns, you think about football. But they are certainly more than that. They've had great basketball teams up there for a long, long time. They've won a lot of championships in hoops as well. So we appreciate uh, Coach being with us tonight. And we thank Coach Combs for trying to help promote high school basketball here in South Carolina for both the boys and the girls, often overlooked because of football in our state. But the basketball here, just look at the NBA. Just look at the NBA and the contributions to the NBA from our state in recent years. We got great high school basketball, and there's some good young players up and coming in high school basketball in the state. After the break, we're going to catch up on some of the signings around the state today. National Signing Day. Look at the football signings coming up in a moment. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer, and coming up tonight at 7.30, it's another edition of SC Wild from the Department of Natural Resources on the Sports Talk Media Network. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different. It's engaging but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that? Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30-plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431. All right, recruiting brought to you by Seawells Daily Luncheon Buffet. Big Thursday coming up tomorrow at Seawells on a roast beef Friday. 
on Friday. So if you're looking for a place to dine, the finest dining experience at lunch you can have, that's Seawells, 11 to 2. Seawells across from the state fairgrounds on Rosewood Drive. It's only $14 for a terrific buffet. You need the best in catering. You just simply give Seawells a call at 803-771-7385 or online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So it is National Signing Day. You might not feel it. You might not smell it. You might not sense it, but it is. It's the February Signing Day. Let's give you as many of these signees as we can, as reported by their schools, beginning with Charleston Southern, wide receiver Jamil Bishop, out of, uh, well, he's a transfer from Frostburg State. Receiver Nate Branch played at Lower Richland and Palmetto Prep. Uh, Hunter Gilbert Brown from uh, Albany State transfer. Running back Dakota Fisher from Fort White, Florida. Quarterback Rob McCoy from Sacred Heart transfer. Linebacker Angel Miles from Dade City, Florida. Quarterback Brandon Mush from Huntsville, Alabama. Wide receiver Chris Roan, who's a transfer from Coastal Carolina. Wofford, tight end Tyler Cross, Orlando, Florida. Offensive lineman Luke Moyes, Miami. Defensive lineman Caleb Oliver, Deltona, Florida. Receiver Isaiah Scott, Miami. Defensive lineman Marion Smokes, DeLand, Florida. Linebacker Elijah Washington, Kennesaw, Georgia. This goes along with players they signed earlier. Keep in mind, uh, some of these schools, if not all, signed players in December as well. Coastal Carolina, long snapper Blake Arnault, transfer from Newberry. Defensive lineman Najon Barber, transfer from South Carolina State. Bandit Ibrahim Diarwa from Shippensburg State, transfer. Offensive lineman Heston Edwards from Texas Permian Basin transfer. That's a new one on me. University of Texas Permian Basin. Defensive lineman Cohen Fuller transfer El Camino Junior College out in California. Linebacker Caden Glass, San Antonio, Texas. Defensive lineman Sawyer Gorham Welch, Longview, Texas. Tight end Paul Hartman, Springfield, Illinois. Defensive lineman Keenan Hatcher, Greensboro, North Carolina. Defensive back Joseph Johnson, Huntersville, North Carolina. Receiver Andre Jones from Eastern New Mexico. Quarterback Noah Kim from Michigan State transfers those two. Receiver Seneca McKee, a Columbia native, transfer from UNLV. Running back Demario Rutger, Lakeland, Florida. Defensive back DeAndre Shepard, McKinney, Texas. Defensive lineman Trayvon Swanigan, transfer from Snow Junior College in Utah. Running back Christian Washington, transfer from New Mexico. And defensive back A.J. Williams out of Bamberg Earhart, a transfer from Wake Forest. The Citadel. Quarterback Jonathan Bennett from Somerville, a transfer from Liberty. Cornerback Berlin Camp Fort from Miami. Cornerback Pierre Fertile from Pahokee, Florida. Running back H.J. Grigsby from Juliet, Illinois. Defensive end Andrew Jackson from West Ashley. Offensive lineman Carter Jacobs from Apex, North Carolina. 
Defensive back Reese Patterson from Scottsdale, Georgia. Quarterback Kobe Tompkins from Stockbridge, Georgia. Defensive end Terrence Wells from Dutch Fork. Running back Janoris Wilcher from Pahokee, Florida. Linebacker Daniel Turpin, Decatur, Georgia. Defensive lineman DJ Bryant, Chadburn, North Carolina. Running back Sebastian Boyle from Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Cornerback Ryland Mitchell from Somerville. Bandit Josh Warren, Riverview, Florida. Offensive lineman Landon Stradcutter. Goose Creek. Linebacker Austin Hadlock, Tarpon Springs, Florida. Linebacker Ashton Phillips, St. Louis. Wide receiver Grant Morton from Knoxville. Offensive lineman Andrew Tumbleston, Kane Bay. Linebacker Jamison Bell from Wando. Furman. Defensive tackle Demetrius Baldwin. Waycross, Georgia. Cornerback Darren Coleman, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Cornerback Javaris Jones, Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Bandit Trevor Short, San Antonio, Texas, South Carolina State. Defensive back Tyler Jones, Dutch Fork. Receiver Zy Offord, Gray Collegiate. Quarterback Tyron Moore, DeLand, Florida. Receiver Ja Mayrant from Camden. Defensive lineman Kayvon Chisholm from Hampton County. Tied in Evan Phillips, Midland Valley. Defensive back Demario Bookhart from Spartanburg High School. Transfers. Defensive back Diego Addison Benedict. Running back Kazarius Adams from Georgia State. Defensive lineman Joshua Barker from Benedict. Defensive lineman Jaden Broughton from Benedict. Running back DeAndre Duhart from Benedict. Wide receiver Caden High from Benedict. Offensive lineman Joseph Johnson from Benedict. Defensive back Logan Jones from Lehigh. Quarterback Mason Kidd from Northern Illinois. Defensive back Dathan Peterson from Benedict. Offensive lineman Roger Smith from Benedict. Wide receiver Nicholas Sowell from Benedict. Defensive back Gerard Washington from you got it. Benedict. Picking up a theme here, Phil. Presbyterian. Tight end Grant Beaton, West Florence. Wide receiver Tucker Boland, Baseburg, Leesville. Offensive lineman Mike Brennan from Western Florida. Offensive lineman Stephen Brooks from Waynesville, North Carolina. Offensive lineman Ellington Brooks Lytle from Decatur, Georgia. Wide receiver Cortland Brunson from Trinity Collegiate. Wide receiver Matthew Covington from Christ Church. Defensive lineman Dallas Co- uh, Dallas Coy from Orlando. Linebacker Ashton Drayton from Goose Creek. Wide receiver Keenan DuBose from Darlington. Offensive lineman Caleb Fersk or Fersky from Stewart, Florida. Defensive end Johnny Fudge the third, Orlando. Defensive back Debo Hall from York. Offensive lineman Paul Harrington from Roswell, Georgia. Defensive back Tariq Hollinger from Orlando. Quarterback Mats Holtzclaw, Brentwood, Tennessee. Offensive lineman Charlie Hubbard, Marietta, Georgia. Kicker Thatcher Hutton from Bristol, Tennessee. Defensive back Ryan Largen, St. James. Defensive back Caleb Makowski from Coral Springs, Florida. Defensive back Colin Maxwell, Jacksonville, Florida. Defensive lineman Walter McGill, Claremont, North Carolina. Defensive back Damian Moat from Tifton, Georgia. 
Defensive end, J.J. Moore, Orange Park, Florida. Receiver, Will Patton from Easley. Offensive lineman, Slayton Stokes from Hartsville. Defensive lineman, Bryce Stringer from Miramar, Florida. Receiver, Ryder Varis from Merritt Island, Florida. Tight end, Chris Vickerson, Columbus, Georgia. Linebacker, Charles Walden from Lithia Springs, Georgia. Defensive back, Jason Wiggins from Claremont, Florida. And there's two more. Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. And with Major Downer's blessings, I can give you the last two names that Presbyterian signed. I was trying to get through it. They had 33 signees. I was whipping through the list. The last two, E.J. Yeoman Jr. from Miami, a defensive back, and defensive back Chapel Young from Alpharetta, Georgia. All right, there you go. Wrapping up the signings that we have today as we welcome in Major Billy Downer to Sports Talk in just a moment. Another edition of SC Wild for you. Of course, Major Downer being a, a Citadel man, He'll be very happy to know that the Citadel did a very nice job, it looks like, with their recruiting. And they have to be excited about Jonathan Bennett from Somerville coming back home and transferring from Liberty, giving them a veteran quarterback who might be able to come in and improve their play there uh, quite a bit from what they've had. That seems to be an area they've got to pick up quite a bit. And the Bulldogs signed players really from all over the country as we went through their list just a little while ago as far West here, I think, as uh, well, there's one in Nebraska and one in St. Louis. So as we welcome Major Downer, a man of the Citadel, it just seems like people all over the country want to matriculate to the Citadel along the uh, the banks of the Wando River. No, it's not the Wando, the, uh, the Ashley, I'm sorry, the banks of the Ashley. That would be the Ashley, that's correct. Yeah. Got my river. Got my river. Got my rivers wrong. During your days at the Citadel, how many times did you go uh, out into the Ashley River there, like on a boat or something? Um, uh, actually, a couple, a bunch of times with uh, classmates that uh, we had, you know, the boat club there, and we had little little whalers we could go out in the water and enjoy uh, water sports, skiing. Uh, back then, it was just kneeboarding. We didn't have a whole lot of fancy stuff, but skiing and kneeboarding, and it was uh, we had fun doing that. So didn't do it a whole lot, but we did do it a good bit. I mean, I did do it enough to say I I went on the ass or something. <laughs> well, I mean, you're at a school where on one side you got a big old wall, and on the other side you got a river, so you're kind of like stuck in the middle there. Yeah, in prison, as we say. Well, yeah. I didn't. I didn't want to go that far. <laughs> and then don't forget all the times it floods down there too. And then uh, the Citadel Beach yeah. House as well. I'm sure had a. You I'm know, sure Major had a few good times there. Too. To be honest with you, Major, the the only other place in South Carolina I can remember that was had a, a wall on one side and a river on the other was CCI. So, uh, I don't well, know if you want to. Let me make a comment about the beach house since he thinks I got to see that. I did not get to enjoy the beach house because Hugo wiped it out. Oh. I got there. I got to enjoy it for maybe three or four hours the day that the upperclassmen came back, hmm. and they would take us out there, and we got a little a little break while the upperclassmen moved in. Then you move back in, and there's a thousand people you don't know asking you their name, and you have no idea who they are. 
Um, but yeah, I got to enjoy the beach house for about three hours. And you know, after that, it was gone we, for the rest of my career. Well, we did. You know, they rebuilt it. They rebuilt it over there um, out at the uh, out across from um, Wild Dunes, right out out in Olive Palms. Right. They right. Re, they rebuilt right. it, and we did a lot of shows there back when they would have this um, this this event. They would have this golf event uh, for the Brigadier Club. I think it's called the Brigadier Club, and they would have this golf event. Yep. And we we for like twenty years we played in that thing, and then we would go do the show from the beach house. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite shows of the year because we would sit on the back porch. Which of course faces the ocean. We sit on the back porch. We'd have guests back on the there palm. on the olive oh, palms yeah. and watch the boats, watch the big freighters and the tankers and everything going into Charleston Harbor go by. It is a it's an incredible view back there. Incredible view. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of like the view in Las Vegas. How was that? Hey, yeah, that was a uh, it was a fun trip. I mean, people go to Vegas for a lot different things that I went for, but, um, <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't, I did not enjoy any of those, um, extracurricular activities at all. Yeah. I did try. I will say this. I admit, I sat at a craps table and I threw some dice Ooh. and I can tell you, uh, Vegas won. Yeah. I didn't win. <laughs> so, um, I lost a total of 43 bucks. That's my claim. <laughs> what did you say? I learned, I learned, I, I learned real quick. It's not about, I thought it was the guy that throws the dice. Nah, not so much. Four rolls and I rolled a seven, so I was out. Um, it, it took me a while to learn that, that game, and a friend of mine loves to go out there and loves that game. Just, it's fascinating, but no, not for me. Well, did you set like a personal limit of like $20, but then you kept losing, you kept losing, and you got to 40 <laughs> and you said, I, I'm really so, out of here well, now. Well, huh? first of all, I, the whole story, take, you have to. I was at a $15 table, and that's in the morning. On the way to the shot show, I stopped and a $15 table. So I said, I'll put $30 down. I'll try twice. Uh-huh. Well, as soon as I put my money down, they gave the dice to the guy next to me. And I didn't even get to roll. So I'm like, well, dang it. I'm going to run. I'm at least going to bet one time on myself. So I did. I lost both of that. And then uh, one of our, uh, one of the other guys there, uh, he was much better at it. And I actually won like $14 back with him. But Amazing. I was down 43 when I quit. So anyway, See, yeah. It's, it's people like There's you. There's a reason why Vegas yeah. is still there. It's, a, it's people like you and me that make sure that uh, Vegas has the lights on 24 hours a day. That is absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Now, why were you out but there? Yeah, we were there. We were there, last, we were there for the 2024 SHOT Show, S-H-O-T SHOT Show. It's kind of a colloquial name for the National Shooting Sports Foundation puts this on every year and basically is everything firearms, uh, you know, hunting, uh, outdoor related. It is everything, mostly around firearms as far as, you know, all of your company, your big companies you know, are, are putting out their, their newest and their best product. That's when they bring them out. Ammunition uh, manufacturers are also there with ammunition. Uh, just talking about different ammunition. Of course, you know, in the last probably, I guess, 20 years, the AR platform is the big deal. You know, 20 years ago, a couple, people, couple, couple pump companies were out there pumping out rail systems for these, you know, basically hand handle areas for these guns. And then now you've got all these companies making AR platforms because they're so popular for target shooting. And even in the sporting community, there's some uh, there's an interest to that now. 
as well, particularly night hunting hogs and things. But um, and there's so many varieties in the caliber. Two two three was the common caliber, you know, a five five six or two two three, same thing. Uh, five five six millimeter two two three, the military round, uh, basically. Not of course armor piercing, but regular, you know, a lead uh, copper coated lead round. But um, now they make them in an AR-10 platform, which is like a 30 caliber platform. They make them in 308. They make them in uh, 6.5 uh, different platforms across the board. So they make them in several sporting platforms um, that can be used for hunting deer as well or, or other game. Uh, but anyway, it was it, it's, it's more than just firearms. It's a lot about firearms there. It's a lot about ammunition. Uh, the industry there, Glock is there. Uh, your big names, any big name you think of, Winchester, Browning, um, you know, Remington's almost dead. You hardly ever see Remington anymore. But Browning, uh, you know, Leupold, Scopes, uh, Zeiss, Swarovski, all these big names, they're all there. All the, the companies that make the things that we love to go outdoors and hunt, shoot, target shoot, hunting, whatever, um, all those companies are there. Mossy Oaks there, Real Trees there with all their new camo patterns and different things they're coming out with. Clothing manufacturers are there for sporting clothing, uh, law enforcement clothing, uh, a variety of uh, military clothing as well. Um, you know, everybody's walking around looking at big guns and big, you yeah. know, uh, fun bullets and different things. But uh, you know, why were we there is really a question I want to answer. You know, why, why was I there? I wasn't there to, to gawk around at a bunch of 50 caliber guns. That wasn't what we were there for. Uh, but so my training staff and I went out there, uh, a small group, and we wanted to go uh, talk to the companies uh, in our wildlife section uh uh, one of my friends in the wildlife section was there with us also. We were there to thank companies from South Carolina for what they do for us. And again, to, to talk for a moment real quick about what that means is all these firearms and ammunition companies that are in South Carolina, uh, Palmetto State Armory, um, FN, Hersall, FN, right here in Columbia, huge um, manufacturer of AR platforms for the military, uh, per, you know, they also do private, uh, privately owned ARs as well, but huge military uh, manufacturing. And you got Palmetto State Armory, everybody's heard of, and how they've hit the, the market so hard, particularly in online sales and things. Mm -hmm. uh, these two companies really, they have to pay excise taxes to the federal government. Those taxes go directly into what's called the, what used to be called the Pittman-Robertson Act or the Wildlife Restoration Act. Again, back from the 40s to today, it provides federal funds to do wildlife conservation efforts to you know, provide for our WMAs, areas where we can public, uh, for public hunting opportunity, hunting education courses that we provide, um, as well as free, you know, free hunter education courses in person. Uh, it also provides for our shooting ranges in the state that we build that are cost absolutely zero to go shoot at unless you're shooting targets for shotguns. So, we ask you to pay a minimal fee, you know, for targets. Uh, but as far as it, it is a huge funding source for our wildlife section, uh, for our waterfowl impoundments, for our hunting programs, you know, across the state, all of our WMA lands, a huge part of that, uh, into the millions of dollars each year provided through Pittman Robinson Wildlife Restoration Funds to our department specifically for those things, wildlife restoration, um, public hunting opportunity, hunter education, and public shooting opportunity as well. So it's a huge thing, and we have a lot of companies in the state that, I like to say, you've heard of, but then smaller companies you may not even have heard of. Or, you know, some of the newer companies out there, Migra is out there making um, waterfowl shells. And probably some people are starting to hear about them, but they were out of Charleston. 
relatively new right here in South Carolina. Um, a lot of uh, companies that make uh, parts for rifles, AR platforms, uh, they make uh, what, you know, everybody talks about silencers today. You know, that's a big deal in the movies. Everybody wants to see a, a, a gun go off and hear it. a real slight noise and all that, which is not real for the most part. Most guns are going to have a, a clap sound at least, uh, but uh, greatly reduces the recoil and the noise, of course. Uh, so everybody's heard of a silencer, so, so to speak, or uh, what was known as a can. Um, but um, those several of those companies in our state that make those, and they pay excise tax as well. So just going and visiting those companies, uh, thanking them for what they do. Um, uh, you know, for us, again, everybody's going to pay the taxes. Yeah, that's true. But it's nice once in a while to put your hand in their hand and say, thank you. I know you have to pay these taxes. We want to let you know how much we appreciate uh, what you give to that because of what it allows us to do for the public here in South Carolina. Uh, so that was a part of what we were there for. Of course, we were there also to talk to Glock, to talk to um, Safari Land and the, the providers of some of our major ammunition, uh, firearms, uh, law enforcement uh, type wear, looking at new ballistic vests and things, uh, the, the state of the art where they're changing ballistic vests now, and they're able to take that old Kevlar that we've all worn as heavy, and they're now compacting it and making it thinner, lighter, more user-friendly so that officers are encouraged to wear it, uh, and which is an officer safety thing there, because if you want to wear it, then you're going to want, if, if it's lighter, you're going to want to wear it. And that's a big deal, uh, because a lot of people, you know, it's just heavy, hot. And the type of work that we do a lot of times um, we have not always worn vests, except at night, maybe. So we're trying to encourage more vest wear and look at that in the future, uh, particularly in the, in the realm of things that our officers are getting involved in, working details across the state alongside SLED, uh, probation, parole, pardon, uh, working for sheriff's offices, answering calls. Uh, the things that our officers traditionally didn't do 20 years ago when I started, uh, 25, 26 years ago, but now we do as a regular basis. We're called in to assist local agencies uh, with SLED, Highway Patrol, and, and we're sometimes even riding, answering calls in a county, as odd as that may sound for a game warden, but that's what we do. Uh, so trying to prepare officers for that, looking at ballistic vests and things to keep them safe. But again, the SHOT Show is that coming out party for the year of all the, the greatest, the newest, the coolest gear, and, and that's what it's there for. So we were there to do that. Um, had a lot of fun. I mean, it is literally thousands upon thousands of square feet of vendors. And we were there for three days, and I didn't see all of it. Hmm. And I walked the floor most of the time. Um, and you still couldn't see everything. I, I visited PSA a good bit. I went and looked. You know, we went to Smith & Wesson. We went to all the big the big names you've heard of. Um, and, and But you know, it's so spread out across Vegas in that convention center, which, like I said, is I don't know how many thousands, hundreds of thousands of square feet it is, but it's huge. Uh, different levels and, and visiting people, but it, it's a really cool show. If you like the out, if you like the outdoors, firearms, um, ammunition, if you're into that, the shot show is kind of your cool place to be. It is so busy, so many people there. But again, it's the industry's place where mostly big deals are being made a lot of times. Uh, so it's not like for just the regular public just go out there and go look at things. Although there are people there that are members of NSSF or just a regular member of the National Shooting Sports Foundation that walk around. Uh, but a lot of it is mostly vendors uh, and people that are buying. They're looking to buy lots of firearms or ammunition for the next year to sell in the stores. 
So it's a big show in, in that regard. And you also see a big complement of law enforcement agencies there, again, talking to the different vendors about what's the latest and greatest for next year uh, to add to their repertoire, so to speak. Let me uh, ask you that question. A lot of big agencies. That, that brings up a question in my mind. Uh, this is uh, S.C. Wild from DNR with Major Billy Downer. Speaking of law enforcement agencies, where do they get their ammunition? Do they do they have a a private uh, a private com- private companies they deal with, or do they deal with uh, companies out in the public that you and I could go and and purchase things from? Absolutely, that's a good question. Uh, so local agencies do what local agencies are. They don't have necessarily state contracts. Uh, when you work for the state. Uh, we have what they call statewide contracts that get a pricing for buying items in bulk. So we buy basically from a wholesaler and get ammunition uh, and things at a bulk discount uh, based on a state rate and a contract that it goes out every so many years. You put that out on contract and you put the specifications for what you're looking for, mm-hmm. and those items get put on that contract, firearms, that kind of thing as well. Uh, and you know it. One of the things I will mention, I'll brag about one of our guys here at, at, at DNR. Uh, one of our, my first sergeant in our training section, um, really put together a really cool uh, package in the last three years. It's been going now for about three years, uh, but he put together a the new model Glock with Aimpoint and um, Safari Land and worked with those three companies from literally Glock, which is a German company, uh, aim point here and then Safari Land to put the, which is the holster and put a brand new package together that had never been done. Uh, our DNR officers were the first to get, uh, that new Glock with an aim point sight, hmm. which is a red dot sight, uh, and a holster that would accommodate all of that. Now, red dot sights are a whole new thing in law enforcement. Um, and people might ask, why are you doing that? Why do you need to do that? Well, Today's young people that you, we are grabbing, they are kids that have played Call of Duty or whatever else you want to call them, the computer, and they're used to red dot sights. And training is so much easier now with a young person hmm. with a red dot sight, believe it or not. Uh, transition time is a lot faster, uh, and it, it's just it, it changes the shooting world. It's changed the shooting world for us. And now we were one of the first agencies in the country to do this. And now we're leading the way. Other agencies across the country are doing the same thing. So Glock was really proud about that. Uh, Aimpoint as well, uh, Safari Land, they were all proud of putting that package together because it was really cool. And now it's where every agency in the country is going. Um, again, it's just about training and, and, and officer safety. Again, being able to pick up that site quickly. If you're in trouble, site, you know, picking that site up, on the target is, is, is target acquisition, as they say, is very important with officer safety. And that red dot really helps you if it's in low light or in daylight, doesn't matter. Um, but uh, again, training wise, our going to a nine millimeter from a 40 caliber recoil wise, we saw we're going to, you're going to see uh, improvement in scores because the, the round of the nine millimeter does not have the recoil that your 40 cal does. They've made some, so much improvements in 9mm now. The 9mm has really good hit as far as its impact is really good. Uh, but when you put that together with the aim point, uh, with that red dot sight, acquisition, target acquisition comes up, accuracy goes up, and people that we saw that were struggling shooting every year, their scores changed dramatically. And so our passing rates 
and ability to get taught, you know, officers trained every year, it goes up and it's been a really good thing. So really neat. But again, shot show is really cool. A lot of cool things there. I got to see a lot of, uh, of really uh, talk to some of the big manufacturers again, talk to our local folks around that do stuff for us uh, here in South Carolina and thank them as well. Uh, it was a good three-day trip as far as uh, on the floor. Um, even got to go see Hoover Dam, which is another really cool thing. I mm-hmm. uh, took a side trip there to see Hoover Dam. Just amazing to see what man could do, you know, uh, 90 years ago. Yeah. 31 to 34, they built that huge dam. But uh, anyway, again, it was a great trip. I was very blessed to be able to go. Uh, made a lot of good contacts there. And, uh, again, it, it's one of those once-in-a-lifetime for folks. If you've never been to the SHOT Show, it's worth going. Again, don't expect to leave Vegas as a winner because everybody <laughs> does it. Otherwise, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be there. It'd be closed. And you got out of town <laughs> ahead of the, the Super Bowl blitz. Uh, one more question for you. Uh, we got about two and a half minutes. Why is the state of South Carolina such a hot spot for uh, ammunitions uh, development, you know, uh, companies that make yeah, ammunition? Why are we such a hot a, spot for that? that that's a great question. I don't know that I have all the right answers. I wish I had a really cool answer to tell you. Yeah, uh, we're very we're very blessed as a state to have FN here in Columbia, uh, which is a very fine uh, fine company and makes a very nice AR platform. Military, uh, they make a, a lot for the military there. Mm-hmm. Uh, PSA, you know, just grew out of a literally grew out of a, some veterans. It grew out of a back of a garage. And now they're one of the largest sellers of firearms, particularly on the Internet, uh, in the country. Um, but they have ammunition. They've developed an ammunition p- uh, plant here in Columbia. So they're adding to the economy that way as far as providing jobs. Um, they are determined to – they're even going to have their own primer facility, which is really cool. I think we talked about that a couple months ago when I visited that facility. But, you know, there's only like five primer facilities in the country. And two or three years ago, when when um, firearm, excuse me, ammunition prices went through the roof, it was because of the lack of primers. Because every piece of ammunition has to have a primer to start that ignition. Your firearm pin hits the primer, the primer pops, ignites the ammunition, and then it goes. Hmm. But the primer factories had shut down somewhat, and it artificially raised the price of ammunition. It's crazy. Uh, so they were determined to create their own primer facility in Lexington County, and they're doing that, which is going to be really cool um, uh, to help prevent that in the future. And, again, they'll provide primers for their own ammunition. Uh, and that's Tom Meadows State Army uh, doing that here in South Carolina. So really cool. Again, you know, why migrants in Charleston, why those things end up here, it's interesting to me. I don't know, but uh, we're very lucky to have some really cool companies here in the state. Yeah. No doubt about it. I was thinking maybe having Fort Jackson here might have something to do with it too, right? Sure, it might. Uh, certainly, a military presence here. We you know we have an Air Force, saw Air Force Base, the Army Base there. We've got uh, Fort Jackson training facility. You've got all the uh, you know you got McIntyre mm-hmm. Air National Guard base. So uh, again, a good military presence in this state. We're a very patriotic state, uh, so it's a great place to be. You know, nothing's better than living in South Carolina. Probably for for all of us that live here, we say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Again, you've got the mountains, you've got the coastline, you've got a lot of opportunity in Charleston for shipping, so that probably has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, so a lot of cool things going for us. But, again, it was uh, very nice to see see all the good, cool stuff out there. But Again, just a reminder that, you know, when you go hunting in South Carolina and you go on one of these public, on any of our public lands, 
or you go to one of our public ranges, the money you spend on firearms and ammunition, that goes back to help provide for you. The companies that make that ammunition, the companies that make those firearms, they pay taxes that go toward our, our federal Pittman-Robertson or wildlife restoration dollars that give us those dollars to provide the areas for you to hunt, provide the areas for us to go shoot. Uh, and it's a good reminder for us to know that, that it's great to have these companies that are willing to pay that excise tax. And that system that was set up, you know, in the 40s is still working today to provide us with the public areas to hunt, hunter education classes, public shooting opportunity. Those are big three things for us as sportsmen. So we're very proud of that. Again, we thank those companies in this state that provide that excise tax for us as well. Major Downer, great stuff. Look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks, and uh, happy Valentine's Day a week in advance. Thank you so much. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Major Billy Downer from DNR with us here on Sports Talk. That's going to do it. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Hope you've had a great day. You'll have a great night, and you'll be back with us tomorrow here on Sports Talk. Thank you, Pat, and see you tomorrow.